Hello, 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 and welcome to the relaunch of the Hoops Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Duggar. And before we get into some NBA talk, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of stories this week alone. And I just want to introduce a little bit about the podcast and all that. I started running, recording, producing, editing the podcast for Hoops Habit, which is a NBA affiliate site of fansided.com. And... I did about 10, 11 episodes, had a couple guests, went into divisional previews this past summer and stuff, and I promised to relaunch it, get some guests on, maybe promote some fan- Hoops Habit writers, get some guests from outside and all that, from outside the fan side of family, just to come on, talk basketball, depending on the subject, and then I hit a little snag of the season started, I have other recording um, recording responsibilities, trying to write. I, I'm a writer for the Lakers, and I have a weekly NBA column that launches every Tuesday morning. So, yeah. But talk to the guys at Fansided. I'm now on their Spreaker page, which it's fan, I just Google Fansided Spreaker, and there's plenty of great content, great podcasts from the Fansided team. And now Hoops Habit will be there with their own podcast hosted by me. So, once again, I'm Michael Duggar, cover the Lakers, NBA Calm on Tuesdays, do some other side work that doesn't involve basketball, really. So, yeah, look, I mean, there's, let's just jump right into it. There's, there's a lot of news that happened. I'm recording this Friday morning, February 1st. So, if anything happens in the next hour on this day, sorry I missed it, but this is what I got so far. And big, big news out of New York and Dallas, where... In a matter of a couple hour, an hour or two, it w- it got leaked that Chris Tapps Porzingis walked in, and left the meeting, left the New York Knicks front office and and front office brass with the idea and the taste in their mouth, as I read it, that he would like to be moved and traded. One hour later, he is traded to the Dallas Mavericks, the team they played the night before Wednesday night in New York, and that deal included Chris Tapps. Trey Burke, Courtney Lee, and Tim Hardaway Jr. heading to Dallas for Dennis Smith Jr., Wesley Matthews, DeAndre Jordan, and two future first-round picks. So the New York Knicks move is more so for cap space. We'll get to that in a second. But I just want to look at this in terms of the Mavericks. And the Mavericks have to be over the moon with this. You trade... Your first-round pick this year to get Luka Doncic. Luka's panning out. Looks great. Is adored by everyone in the NBA. He's 19 years old. Has legit step back. He's putting up numbers we haven't seen by rookie since LeBron. It's averaging over 20 points, over 6 rebounds, 5 assists. Everything. Everything that he was built to be, Luka has been. But he struggled He struggled at times to win... You know, it's kind of funny that when J.J., we forget how important J.J. Bray is to the Mavericks because they've kind of taken a, a step back, per se, with when um, J.J. Bray towards Achilles and is out for the season, obviously. But this isn't, a, this isn't a now move. This is a next year and immediate future and next 10, 15 years move. Luka loves Dallas. You have Dirk. You you go from this being Dirk's last year to having baby Dirk and Luka Doncic. That's in terms of passing the torch. You look at the Lakers, how they went from Kobe to a year of awkwardness with D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle and all these guys. 
that's not going to happen in Dallas. It's going to go Dirk. The transition period already ha- already started. So you pair together Porzingis and Luca, and that is as bright and talented of a young duo as you have in the NBA. You can point to other cores, which in in Sacramento with Fox, Buddy Heald, Bagley. I really love Harry Giles, um, Bogdan Bogdanovich. There's there's, a, there's some young core there, but in terms of star talent and star potential, Doncic and Porzingis have shown more than the other than the others. The main question there's two questions, and ask it comes down to Porzingis. Can he stay healthy? He's coming off a torn ACL. He's had feet problem. He's had leg leg extremity problems throughout his career. That was one of the knocks why he, why some teams in the draft he only, he fell to four. But that's why some teams didn't see him as a top notch, top three prospect. And him maintaining health, it's not always easy for big guys, seven three guys, especially ones in this in today's age. And, and there's so much mobility you need it. You need to be able to be on the perimeter a lot. There's a lot of wear and tear in the body instead of just going in the paint, backing down, doing little post moves, guarding guys in the paint. He's going to be on the perimeter more more often than not, offense and defense. So can he stay healthy? And he's a restricted free agent this this summer. Will he sign a qualifying offer with someone with another team? Will the Mavs offer him, try to extend them, try to extend them now? There's a lot of things that could go that could make this trade blow up in the Mavericks' face. Actually, not the Mavericks' face. That could make this Porzingis excitement short-lived or not go on. But when healthy, Porzingis is great. Can stretch the floor. He's a 7-3 mismatch nightmare. If he wants to own the paint, he has fadeaways over both shoulders. Elite rim protector. He averages... Let me look at it real quick. Averages two blocks per game for his career shoots 36% from three last year before he got injured was putting up 22 six rebounds 1.2 assists assists will, will, will he's not gonna have the ball in his hands like that it's gonna be Luca 2.4 blocks shot where's shot 39 percent from three so he's puts up stats he does everything that you want in terms of a big in the modern game. So this is and him with Luca, a Luca Porzingis pick and roll with an Rick Carlisle spread system. Get some players around him, even if they keep Harrison Barnes for his next for for the um, for next year. A lineup of Doncic, Barnes, Finney Smith. Who I really like Finney Smith as an energy guy. He can shoot a little bit too. Kleiber. Another talented, um, another talented um, wing who can shoot and spread space the floor. Porzingis, they'll definitely they'll have cap room. They can make some moves like that. Like this is a good move, very very great move for the Mavericks, especially because they were, a couple weeks ago they were looking to offload Dennis Smith Jr. for for who knows. Now Dennis Smith Jr. has a triple double in Madison Square Garden, and bang. Makes a trade in the Knicks. So, in a salary, you you are getting off expiring contracts when you don't have a draft pick this year. So you're you're not really looking for cap space for this off season, and you're not really looking to tank. So you get a competitive player, competitive players, and Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, 
those guys can fit along. Those guys are going to fit perfectly along the wing because they're guys just space the floor shooting. They can get after get after a little bit on defense. So I love the move for the Mavericks. The Knicks, you know, it's the Knicks. The Knicks in my lifetime have been in one NBA Finals. They had the exciting mellow team in 2013. But I kind of... This move shows they're going all in on the summer. They believe they can get Kyrie and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, or maybe Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler, or someone along those lines. Kyrie has New York time, has New York ties, went to St. Patrick's into the New Jersey area, and there's been some unsettlement within Kyrie. There's been some unsettling what's the word unsettling talk around Kyrie's name if you're a Celtics fan that he may not that he's not really intrigued and not really too happy with how things have gone in Boston whether it's him you have to get on the the young players or Gordon Hayward's progress not stagging some taking a little more time to get for him up to speed Al Horford's looks like he slightly lost a step he has some spurts in games he gets up for the big matchups but he's still, you know, he's he's getting up there in age himself. And maybe the bright lights in New York is what he's always wanted. Who knows? Maybe he goes out to LA and teams up with LeBron. Who knows? But right now, the Knicks must know something. The mix the Knicks must think, hey, we can offload Porzingis, a guy who didn't want to be here. Which is something I'm gonna say. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and try now. The Knicks. I've long preached the importance of if you're going to tank or quote-unquote tank or lose, do it with an identity. Do it with your young players going out there and playing hard, pairing them with old veterans because that's going to instill good habits. You play with you play with veterans who play the right way, who are perfect. You hear it all the time, the consummate professional on and off the court. Early, early to practice, late after practice. Ta- put the work in. The Knicks didn't have that culture. These teams. Two years ago, I wrote for the a Royal Pain um, um, affiliate of the Sac- that covers Sacramento Kings, and you know they trade Boogie Cuds and they get Buddy Heald in the first round pick back, turns into the tenth pick. And I actually wrote an article. I'm like, this is how you build a team. You get your centerpieces, and you can't just. We think about the 76ers, they grabbed the best player available for years and years. While their head coach, Brett Brown, established culture. Is it a good culture? I don't know. I don't really see them running innovative offensive schemes, but they have the talent now because they have Embiid and Simmons and used some of their draft draft capital, drafting smartly, to acquire Jimmy Butler. Will that will Butler stay up on this year? Who knows? But that's what they did. They also drafted Nerlens Noel and Julia Lukafor, who are now playing in Oklahoma City on a minimum veterans minimum contract in the Pelicans for about two million, one point two million dollars. So those picks didn't pan out. But I believe in building, forming a team. You draft your point guard, Fox. Love it. You know who he is. Downhill, very fast, fiery competitor. Offense. He's going to be your primary ball handler. So what do you need around him? You need shooting. So you go get Buddy Heald at tenth in that draft. You could have got. I'm trying to think. No, Donovan Mitchell, that was the year after. Could have gotten Malik Monk. 
which already had Buddy Heald. You can't play Fox, Monk, and Heald. You'll get destroyed defensively. But what they do? They trade back. They got Justin Jackson, guy who's not going to light up the scoreboard, but in terms of playing effort defense, he's effective without the ball in his hands because he, because he has a couple. He has two moves. He spots up. If you close, he's six eight, six seven, six eight. He's going to get a shot up above a lot of wings and guards. If he gets his shot off, and you don't close out quick enough, he's going to get a shot off, and he's going to hit it at a thirty five to forty percent clip especially as he gets stronger and, and develops in his career. And it, and if you close out too hard, there's probably not a second-year player with a better array of floaters than he has. I love He can play alongside Buddy and Darren Fox. Then you take a gamble, the 20th pick, Harry Giles, can play four or five. Following year, you draft Bagley. I know Doncic would have been the perfect pick, but then that takes Fox off the ball. Whether you want to get into a Fox versus Doncic debate, that's up to you. That's how you build the team. And the veterans they signed, Zach Randolph, Vince Carter, Shumpert's there now, um, Garrett Temple, all great locker room guys, all great guys who have established cultures. And you look at Vince, that have been a part of winning cultures, and I've never heard, you've never really heard bad, bad being spoken about them in a locker room. Then you jump to another team I've liked the development of, the Atlanta Hawks. Vince, they bring in Vince Carter. They have Alex. Alex Len comes from a losing culture in Phoenix, and he's doing all right in Atlanta, especially. You have a coach in Lloyd Pierce. Another thing, circle back to this Kings real quick. Dave Yeager, coach who, you know, gets a lot of respect. A lot of respect around the NBA. And stay true to his stay true to his word of developing talent he's he's one of the best de- talent developers ever not ever sorry I don't mean to jump into super um, super super superlatives and but he's a really good talent developer really good coach he got a raw deal in Memphis because he got fired and all that stuff but Atlanta has the same thing Lloyd Pierce comes from Philly via San Antonio good He's establishing a culture. They're not. They're, he's not saying go out there and lose. He's pairing. He's not just throwing five rookies and no names together. He has Trey Young, Kevin, um, Kevin Herter, the shooting guard. There you go. There's your backcourt right there. Wings, Torian Prince, DeAndre Bembry, um, Dwayne Dedman, John Collins. All these guys play hard, and they all play together. Off the bench, Kent Bazemore, who loves Atlanta, understands what they're trying to establish and is on board with it. Vince Carter goes from... Sacramento, Atlanta, and you're seeing the same type of little seeds being planted within Atlanta that were in Sacramento. Yes, they're not the best teams in the NBA, but there's a culture and identity and identity being established to the front office, head coach, by pairing your young players and not just rolling them out there and saying, "Hey, go have go do go, just go out there and fail." They're being put in positions to be successful. That's why the Hawks are, I think, eleven. They're eleven and eleven in the last twenty-two games. They're an exciting young team. If you haven't watched the Hawks, I recommend taking a couple minutes, taking a couple, just go on you go on NBA.com and they have condensed games. You can get all the highlights right there. They're forming a team. The Knicks have never done that. They don't sign veterans who want they don't sign the right veterans and they haven't drafted well at all. KP, yes. We'll see. You draft Frank Attilakina. You know what? You could have just drafted Dennis Smith Jr. and had Dennis Smith Jr. running a pick and roll with KP the whole time. 
but you trade KP to get Dennis Smith Jr. And you get these expiring contracts in Wesley Matthews and DeAndre Jordan, who probably won't be on the team in the next week, in the next by the time the All-Star break happens. I mean, they could honestly, Wesley Matthews could immediately be flipped. He still has a role. He can play 20 to 25 minutes a game, spotting up, playing good defense. He's not the player he was in Portland, but he's still a serviceable player. DeAndre Jordan may look, he looks like he lost a, little, a step or two, but he he can come in and play for 20, 25 minutes in a Tyson Chandler role like he does for the Lakers. So maybe he'll be revitalized and be more incentivized to get in shape too because it's a contract game for him. And if he's on a winner instead of Dallas, you never know. There's a lot of options, but the Knicks, you trade your best talent you've had in 20 years. Talent. I think Melo, KP's not at Melo's level at all, especially when Melo was at the Knicks for that year, for those two seasons. The Pretty much 2013 year. But I, it's, I don't want to come out, I don't know who to believe because we have Porzingis deleting Instagram stories saying, wait till the real truth comes out. President Steve Mills says of the Knicks says Porzingis didn't want to be part of the franchise moving forward and believe in their vision. Who knows what to believe? But the Knicks have February, February, March, April, May, June. They have five months to completely clear the decks even more. They'll have upwards of $70 million in cap room. Clear the books. Put together their best pitch and their best plan to get KD and Kyrie Irving or Jimmy Butler. And I think those are the three they're going for. KD and Kyrie, absolutely. Jimmy Butler, I mean, you get KD and Jimmy Butler or KD or Kyrie and Jimmy Butler, that's still a step forward. You worry about Dennis Smith Jr. later. Some team will take a flyer on Dennis Smith Jr. because he actually has shown flashes. He's been pretty solid this year. And this is going to be a this is going to be a three month audition for Dennis two and a, two and a half month audition for Dennis Smith Jr. with the ball in his hands, running his own team to see who's out there, to see who wants to come get him. We'll see. I loved I love Dennis Smith Jr. So I love the trade for him. And the Knicks for the Knicks, this trade is a. You're losing culture, cost you Porzingis. You had the number one. You have the best odds to get the number one pick right now. You're gonna you're gonna be in that one or one two or three slot. You get Zion, things become a lot more interesting. Then you have a trade piece. You may not even need Zion. Although Zion, I think if they get Zion in the draft, their chance to draft him and they trade him away, I think MSU will be, go crazy. Even if it's for Anthony Davis, which is a great segue because. Say the Knicks get the number one pick, and before even the, before the draft free agency period even starts, KD opts out. Kyrie's already unrestricted. The Knicks say, "Hey, number one pick, you can take our Mavericks draft picks, and we'll throw another future first in." Anthony Davis, what do you say? Maybe we'll, and we'll give you D, DSJ because the Pelicans are probably going to be tanking anyway. That is, Zion is stronger than a Jason Tatum and multiple first round picks. I truly believe that. 
So without wasting any time, let's get Anthony Davis. The superstar forward of the New Orleans Pelicans requested a trade from the team. Handed in a trade request Monday. He got fined. Whatever. $50,000, nothing him, honestly. I know that's sad to say. It's not, 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 that's not, not that much than $50,000. But, it, I mean, is it shocking that this happened? No. The timing of it, yes, but he's trying to push a move out before the trade deadline on February, on February 7th. Will he get the trade? No one knows. Because the Pelicans really think that the Lakers' best offer of Lonzo, Kuzma, Ingram, Zubach, and Future First will be there in the summer where they can assess all options. They can try to get the Celtics because the Celtics can't trade for him because of some cap thing where you can't trade for two designated players because they already have Kyrie Irving on the roster. But Boston may have a better, the best trade package. They want to see who gets the number one pick in case the team gets the number one pick wants to trade for Anthony Davis. They can get Zion. bunch of factors. But... It wouldn't shock me if the Pelicans go on a fire sale right now. Maybe not even trade Davis. Maybe trade Nikola Miritich, who will definitely have some value. Julius Randle, definitely have some value. Even try to get Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday's a great player. Great two-way player. Him as a second or third option offensively, that's great because his defense is outstanding. You get rid of them... Andy Davis probably won't play anyway because he's already taken off the intro video and it's kind of, I don't want to say awkward, but he's sitting on the end of the, onto the bench. He's supporting his teammates. It's just a business. That's what it comes down to. And I don't, and I don't feel bad for the, for the Pelicans, but I don't feel bad for them because I think the relocation rumors, there may be some truth to them that Seattle would be a better basketball city or whoever you want to choose. But New Orleans is I I just don't see New Orleans they, they had the they've had the they had the New Orleans Jazz they had the Hornets and then the New Orleans, and the Hornets became the Pelicans and the Hornets went back to Charlotte and a bunch of rebranding happened amongst all them but the fans got to support them that's not the fans part they don't put out a great product for six plus years they have two playoff appearances they're not going to make it this year they're thirteenth in the West. There's been terrible roster management. Omar Ashik, um, Solomon Hill. I mean, when you're playing players like Etwan Moore, solid. Etwan Moore is okay, but there's just been terrible roster management and they've been hamstrung by cap space. You don't think people want to go live in New Orleans and play with Anthony Davis? They can't. The past cap, they've been hamstrung by the cap because they've been they made dumb deals. They got caught up in the cap palooza a couple in 2016, and they've been scratching and clawing their way back ever since. And you go from acquiring Demarcus Cousins to having Boogie in the brow, being in the being on the outside looking in the playoff. Boogie tears Achilles. Anthony Davis takes you on a, a crazy run into the playoffs. You sweep the Portland Trailblazers. And, and you come into this year with expectations that we're going to compete for the playoffs again and we'll see what we can do with our roster. Two, Anthony Davis requesting a trade and now Juliet Lokofor is your starting center. Juliet Lokofor has been good in, those, in these six games. But come on now. This all happened in 12 months. 20... 
you go from in tw- in two years you acquire Boogie. You have two of the the two best bigs in the NBA at that time. And in 12, 12 months after that, you only have one because Achilles injury. Twelve months after that, you have Jaleel Okafor and Kynrick Williams, who actually looks like a decent spot, decent four, but decent four with the spot up shooting. But it's just bad. It's just a, I just, I, it's just a bad situation for the Pelicans. And the way, what I would do is I would tank. I don't voice tanking, but there's no culture in New Orleans without without AD. Yes, they had a good win over the Rockets, and then they hung tough with Denver. But that doesn't matter. You're not going to make the playoffs in the West. You're not going to leapfrog the Mavericks, who got better, the Lakers, who got LeBron back and just beat and beat the Clippers, the Kings, who are playing better basketball than you have all season. And the teams that are in the playoffs right now that are fighting for their lives. It's just not going to happen. So why wouldn't you bottom out? This is the one time I'm okay with bottoming out versus the Knicks because the Knicks have bottomed out all year. The Pelicans, well, they realized they could do it. You know, you know what? Fire sale. Get rid of everyone. Let's get a top five pick. And I'm even okay with trading everyone but Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis isn't going to play. Just trade Drew... Because Drew said 90% of the reason why, I mean, the 10%, I mean, getting paid six, nine figures is pretty solid anyway. But 90% of the reason he stayed in New Orleans was because Anthony Davis. Drew Holiday is, is going to be the next one. He's going to be the next one, not asking, but like saying, hey, come on, I let, let me get to a better situation. But in terms of Anthony Davis, he's going to sign up to 20. It's the same thing we heard from Paul George. Don't bother trading for him. It's going to be a one-year rental. He's going to the Lakers when LeBron's 36. All this constantly, I'm going to the Lakers, I'm going to the Lakers, I'm going to the Lakers. Lakers can give you... It's kind of funny how if, say, they accept that Lakers offer, they're literally just going to use the Lakers. The Lakers just relocated to New Orleans because you'll have Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, Julius Randle, and Zubac. It's funny. It's I find it very comical. But and then Lonzo's already saying, "Hey, I prefer to go to a third team without an established point guard." So, if they don't trade AD, they're gonna wait till the summer some and get some offers. And if they, and I really think they should start trade looking to trade all of their everyone on that team. Everyone's available, and we don't even have to use eight. And, and AD, you can rot on the bench because there's gonna be offers this summer. The Nuggets, the Nuggets could be interested. Because they have some players playing really well now, the Trailblazers, who I think are not. I think if the if the Trailblazers could package some Zach Collins, um, Nurkic, CJ McCollum, and some other deals, you pay. I, Dame Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis would be my favorite pairing in the NBA. And there's talk about Milwaukee, but I don't see Milwaukee having. I mean. I don't think Middleton and a couple first-round picks when they're going to be contending. Because those first-round picks aren't going to be anything special because you have Giannis at age 23, and they're 36 and 13 right now, if I'm correct. They're the best team in the NBA. Yeah, they're thir- no, sorry, 37 and 13. So I just don't see that. I don't see them making move from Milwaukee. I think it's Boston or the Lakers unless someone comes out of nowhere with the godfather offer. And we'll see. 
just just like it's just crazy that a top I don't like ranking top five top ten like that really I just know there's a top four there's a top I, I just know there's a definitive top five and that goes LeBron Giannis KD Steph Kawhi whatever you want to debate after that I'm, I'm Harden PG Embiid Anthony Davis, whoever you want to throw in there, that's cool with me. But that top five to me is solidified. And you're gonna and a top ten player is requesting to be traded Monday, Thursday, a top ten prospect in Porzingis request and is traded. And it's the NBA man. The NBA is a league like no other. But Continuing another quick segue with Anthony Davis is he still will most likely represent, and barring anything in the next six days, will re- will represent the New Orleans Pelicans in the All Star game because he was named to a reserve. And we'll start in the West. I agree with every selection. I actually on Tuesday go to hoopshabit.com and so NBA recap the pictures. Anthony Davis. I talk about the Pelicans, my All Star reserves on both conferences, and some games to watch. I work pretty hard on it, honestly. I really, I'm really prideful. In my two, about two thousand words per week. I really take my time to figure out some stuff and dive into it. So I re- actually read everything on Hoops Habit. But in that column, I listed out my West All Star reserves, and I, ha- I mean, only one, only one that w- I didn't agree with was Lamarcus Aldridge over Rudy Gobert. Yes, Aldridge carries the weight more offensively in terms of scoring numbers and being the focal point of the post, like posting up and stuff like that. But I, how can you? Gobert's been arguably the best defensive player in the best, second best defensive player in the whole NBA. The Spurs are better with Aldridge and DeRozan off the floor. Aldridge in particular, they're better with Aldridge off the floor. Because their bench is so strong and they pass so well, they move the ball so well, they shoot more threes. Like their plus minus numbers are better. Spurs as a whole are better when Aldridge sits. Gobert, however, is the best plus minus player on the Jazz and all the little things he does. He sets screens. The sc- he's one of the best screeners in the NBA. And not just in like on ball screens, I'm talking setting screens in the corner so shooters can flare out and get open. All, all the little rebounding, altering shots, sliding his feet really well. He is the best defensive big in the league, and he has a career high in points, and is the best player on a team that's currently in the seventh seed and has been climbing up the ranking slowly but surely. So I don't... So I just, I don't know. I'm not. It's not. I don't get mad about these picks because you know they're they're subjective. And everyone has their own reasonings, but that's one that I didn't. I, I didn't. I was like, whoa. Rudy Gobert seemed like a lock throughout the whole entire league, media picks and all that, and he didn't even make it at all. But I mean, Clay Thompson got in. People didn't agree with Clay, but you look at his numbers. He's shooting career low in three point percentage, but he's also averaging twenty one point seven points. And is when the Warriors win, he's shooting. Mid forty percent. When they lose, he's shooting high twenty percent. And this, if you go go watch the 76ers game last night, Alfonso McKinney and Iguodala taking his place, and they lost. They didn't do as well because Clay is that important to the team. So, I I'm not mad. I love the Clay pick. I think I think Clay still does a lot defensively. 
and I like that they value the two-way thing. I mean, the snubs in the West, it's Gobert. It starts and ends with Gobert. You could talk about Luka. Luka's team starting to struggle a little bit. But I don't. I have no problem with the rest of it. In the East, I agree with the entire East roster. Even with uh, Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that Russell and Jimmy, D'Angelo Russell and Jimmy Butler are the lead candidates to be Victor Oladipo's replacement. I agree 100%. I had Middleton. I I mean, I agree top to bottom. Um, and I have D'Angelo Russell. I even had D'Angelo Russell as Victor Oladipo's replacement. What Russell has done with Brooklyn. I mean, Eric Bledsoe and D'Angelo Russell are the biggest snubs for me in the East. And Milwaukee may deserve three All-Stars because they have Giannis as the captain and Middleton's... Middleton, I like the Middleton pick because I've, it's it's a one-year thing. It's a, it's a, Actually, it's a 45-game... 45 to 50 game honor. But Middleton's been so solid for so long that I really, that this pick actually made me happy. I love Middleton. His defense, is he's one, he's a better defender than Bledsoe. He has more points than, than Bledsoe. His spot up shooting is plays a role with more so than Bledsoe. So the thing would be to, sometimes the NBA rewards the best teams, like the Hawks when you had four, four all-stars. When they had their when they had their like sixty plus win season with Jeff Teague, Horford, Millsap, and Corver, they all got in. Sometimes they lean like that, but I'm leaning towards Russell because he's the main playmaker, playmaker and scorer for a Brooklyn team who's overachieving to the six seed. And they're very comfortable. They're five games. They're four and a half games up in the playoffs to to stay in the playoffs. So they're going to be comfortably in that six to seven seed, depending on how the Heat or he may, he may not even be there. Think on what happens. They're comfortably in the six seed, and they're a fun team. And D'Angelo Russell has made big shot after big shot. The ice in the vein celebration. I feel like we've seen it all the time. Like I feel like we've seen it once a week. So no complaint there. The draft is next Thursday, the same day of the trade trade deadline. It's going to be a bonkers next six days until that happens. Um, so real quickly, something that I, something that I touched that, um, I noticed with people saying, oh, go bigger. So, oh, the top 24 players should get in no matter the conference alignment. Who you gonna I mean, is, is Gobert or Aldridge really more deserving than anyone on the, on the East? And Bradley Beal, um, Vucev, Nikola Vucevic of Orlando is having a better season than Aldridge in my eyes. Like, there's a lot of things like, just, just stop with it. Just stop. It's the same thing with conference realignment. Get one through sixteen. Conferences have their dominating times throughout the NBA. The East and the West split titles each decade. They have their I mean they have their dominating decades. The East won a majority of the nineties. The West won a majority of the early two thousands. Their fifth I think it's I think the West has like a five to five to three advantage right now and the west has had some of the best teams ever in the warriors like it's just relax it's okay we'll all get through it the east will rise the east has the east probably has four of the top six or seven title title contenders bucks celtics raptors 76ers are much better than any top four in the in the west Rockets, sorry, 
Don't know how it's going to... I'm still not sold. They're in the sixth seed right now. Nuggets, not sold. Thunder, yes. Thunder, the Golden State, bonafide, Mount Rushmore, Mount Everest, the best top-notch contender. After that, I'm probably taking the four East teams until we see what the Lakers do. Because, I mean, we saw last night with LeBron. It's a quick little segue into the next part about um, Thursday night's games. LeBron comes in and they beat the Clippers in overtime. LeBron's 80%. He didn't look near, like he was in nearest shape. wasn't getting, wasn't trying to go to the basket, settling for fadeaways and all. in in his bag with his with his post game from like 15, 20 feet out, and they still won. Rondo playing great. Well, that team is solid. And honestly, I watch every Lakers game. I watch probably. I actually watch an, an obsessive amount of basketball, NBA especially. But on LeBron's night, I will take them over every team in the West except for Golden State. And on some nights, I'll take them over Golden State. We'll see tomorrow night, Saturday night, primetime, 8.30, ABC, Lakers at Warriors. I have a feeling the Warriors will blow them out. But when LeBron's healthy and Lonzo's healthy, if they stay together, even if they don't get AD... This team's solid. Like, are the Blazers or Spurs or Jazz better than any of the top four? No. So take it take it easy. Relax on conference realignment. There's good basketball teams on both sides. And this stuff fluctuates with draft picks. The East is going to have the top, is going to have like four of the top five picks. And they're going to do great with and it's And if they can get the talent they want, they have their superstars. There's just a, just just a lot of stuff. But very quickly, I've gone I've gone pretty long, longer than I expected, and um, just a couple seconds. Milwaukee proved last night they're a team to beat. I saw Tor- yes, Toronto missed a countless number of easy looks and floaters at the rim, but the depth and spacing of Milwaukee with Gian- with Giannis is astounding. Brooke Lopez didn't even shoot that well, but you have Bledsoe, Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, DJ Wilson's playing really well. Sterling Brown gave instant energy off the bench. Love it. That's I picked Toronto to go to the win. I picked Toronto to win the finals. I feel like they're just. I feel like Toronto's just racing to get to the deadline, and it'll take care of everything after that. Because Kawhi looks a little rusty. Not rusty. Looks a little slow. But Pascal Siakam looked great for. Brought them back to within six points in the fourth quarter. So I love. I'm still love Toronto, but Milwaukee's very clearly the team to beat right now. And then the other game I talk. I just talked about a little bit with the Lakers and Clippers and stuff like that. Sixers very impressive win over the Warriors, but without Clay, who I value very highly, which it means it's it's not that it's not it's not something though I'm gonna go crazy about. But on the flip side, Embiid, Joel Embiid dominate Demarcus Cousins, Jimmy Butler starting to find a groove, Ben Simmons loving the Ben Simmons I'm seeing, Landry Shamat. I mean, there's just I really like the Sixers team, and if they can make just one more move to add some depth, add us a playmaker to that bench along with McConnell, even more so than McConnell, someone who can get his own shot off the bench, it's gonna be they're they're a dangerous, dangerous team. Because everyone's talking about Milwaukee and Toronto and Boston lurking. Philly arguably has can have the three best players on the court at any time. So I leave you with that. Maybe I'll be back either next week with a trade deadline primer or a trade trade deadline all-star reaction show. Maybe both. We'll see. But 
Until then, thanks for tuning in to the reboot of the Hoops Habit Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Michael Duggar. Check out fansider.com. Check out hoopshabit.com in particular. And have yourself a good weekend.